welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. We have all just made it to the end of a decade. 2019 is wrapping up, but not just 2019, the 2010s are wrapping up. It's exciting. How'd it go? How did the past decade go for you? You know, decades are usually marked by something. Think about the 80s or the 90s, early 2000s. Usually there's something in culture or in world events or in politics that kind of marks a decade and you get sort of a feeling when you think about a particular decade. What do you think the 2010s are going to be marked by? How, you know, in future years, when you look back to this decade, how will you feel about it? There's some things that's happened in, in the past 10 years that, that you may have seen. Uh, for example, when the first Avengers movie came out in 2012, ever since then, we've been super saturated with superheroes. <laughs> so many movies, so much spandex, so, so many worlds to be saved. That's just been a big part of our culture. Also, Instagram launched in October of 2010, and that that app has, has completely changed the way that we share photos, the way that we connect with each other. There, you know, there's more beyond that, but even media and advertising goes through Instagram and, and many other uh, new technologies like that. In the past decade, YouTube has redefined what it means to be a celebrity, how, how to make millions, sometimes billions of dollars by making videos. And, and then, of course, phones and computers have changed so much, e- even in just 10 years. I I got a new phone recently, and it took me a while to figure out how to even turn it off or on. Like, just I, they're constantly upgrading, and, and I, I'm struggling to keep up. And I, and I'm in my 30s still, so this is not looking good for the future for me. But in, in the past few years, there's been huge shifts as well in the way that people view things like, like marriage and equality, uh, gender tolerance. There, there's just big, big shifts happening in our culture that have been pretty recent. Things that you wouldn't have dreamed would happen in 2010 are happening all around us. It's amazing. There's the, the pace of change in our society and our culture right now is unbelievable. Massive shifts can happen in a blink. And, of course, in the past decade, there's been uh, quite a few violent tragedies stacking up in, the, in our country, even in Southern California. Uh, so, many, so much violence, it's hard to even keep track of them all. This, this week is somewhat of a hinge where we're swinging from the 2010s, swinging into the 2020s. It's a, it's a, it's a hinge into a new decade. And so it makes you ask, where, where are we headed as a culture? You know, based on where we've been coming from, where we're we going, what, what are things going to look like? And if you look forward into the future, it's, you know, it may not be uncommon to feel some amount of anxiety, maybe a little bit of fear about what's coming, about where we're headed. There can be this sense of uncertainty that you may feel uh, thinking about our country, where are we headed? Or or just thinking about our culture, the big shifts in culture or or in politics. These things can leave you feeling somewhat unsettled and anxious. Or on a more personal level, you know, how, how, where are you headed in your life or your family's life? How are things going projected out in your personal finances? There's a lot of things as you look forward into the future that could leave you feeling unsettled. Just on Christmas, I went to the movies with my family and we watched Frozen 2. Uh, out of curiosity, has anybody seen Frozen 2 already? Okay, there's a good number of you. Uh, I'm, this is not a spoiler alert, but one of the, one of the you know, big, huge songs that, that was real popular from that movie, you may have even heard it, 
Um, does anybody know what it is? Into the Unknown. <laughs> this is big song uh, that's just, it, it is this concept that in the movie, it just, it's amazing how many of the characters in the movie deal with this um, feeling of being unsettled, wanting to know what the path ahead is. And it's the tension that you feel throughout the movie. And I, it's, it's amazing to me how well film producers, even for kids' movies, are able to capture some of the tensions that we're feeling in our culture right now. And so uh, there's a, the, the solution in the movie, by the way, is, is to deal with the uncertainty. You just need to unleash a deeper power within yourself <laughs> to overcome the problems that are headed. That's one, that's one approach, I guess, to life. Uh, but in the past 10 years, uh, I've been a pastor here at Orange Crest Community Church. I'm, I'm an associate pastor. My name is Bruce and my family, and we've been attending here. I've been training for ministry, and, and recently... I've sensed a call to plant a church in Santa Clarita, which is a city in L.A. County. And uh, we've been making preparations and plans for that over the past few months. And I, I've heard a little bit about starting a new church. And I, what I've, basically what I've heard is that it's really, really difficult. In fact, most pastors that I've talked to said it's the hardest thing that they've ever done. And um, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> So 2020, I mean, we're, we're launching. We, we'll be here through the spring. We launch in June. And I don't know exactly what to expect. I think it's fair to expect some turbulence. And there's going to be a lot of known, unknowns for me and my wife and, and our kids. I think the turbulence may feel somewhat like you, when you're on an airplane and you're going and then it drops for a second and your, your stomach goes and you don't know what's coming next or maybe a real rumbly. And one of the things, one of the questions that keeps coming to my mind is like, can, you know, can I really pull this off? Like, you know, and I, I have a very strong conviction that God is calling us and sending us there, but I still have this tension. Like, can, you know, can we actually do this? <laughs> can we, can we make this happen? And there's going to be others from our church that go with us and that's going to affect their lives and it'll affect the congregation here on, on some level, uh, and, and how, how is that going to go? You know, if people are following me to a new city, like, that's, that's added pressure. And I was thinking through some of these things, and I was feeling some of the weight and the pressure of that, plus just the other pressures from, from normal life at a, at a certain point last week. And I hit a rough day, just with all the mounting pressure. Um, you know, I had some rough conversations as well, and I just I had a wave of discouragement hit me. And I got, I, I was starting to feel real low, and I just, the more I was thinking through in my thoughts, and I'm an internal processor, I was just, I was circling the drain. And uh, I just, I just wanted to lay on my bed with a pillow over my face. <laughs> I was, I, my, my confidence drooped, uh, I was losing heart. And it was, it was a day, it was most of the day I felt this way, more intense than I've felt before. I don't know if you've ever felt uh, discouragement in that way. But I, I really was struggling to get out of the pit. And in fact, you may have experienced that for longer than a day. Uh, and I thought, you know what? We haven't even left yet. <laughs> Man, this is maybe, is this, you know, is this what we'll be dealing with? Or is this just, or is this just normal for life? Is this just what happens as you go through daily life? So this, this week is somewhat of a hinge as we're going into a whole new decade, new season of life. So you look forward, but you also look back. I think this is somewhat of a reflective time. And you think back over the past 10 years, uh, did you have any hopes or plans that, that went or, or that fell through? How did things turn out that you were hoping for? Did you make any poor choices in the past 10 years that you're still dealing with? Uh, any, any relationships that have grown or relationships that have fractured 
and are in disrepair at the moment. I, I have got some personal challenges and, and, and growth areas that I just wish I would have overcome by now. I'm, I'm at this point and I'm still dealing with things. And, you know, as you look back, it's not uncommon to feel a sense of regret and shame about how things have gone or how I've performed or what I've done. And all of this, all of the, these feelings, the anxiety or the shame, these things can leave us feeling unsettled at the, in the present moment. Uh, whether it's at work or at home, I, I live with the perpetual feeling that I just feel like I can't quite get on top of everything. I, I just, you know, days are going by and, and I'm wondering, am I spending my time on the right things? There's so much to be done. You know, we're in a, we're in a busy season of life with little kids and uh, I feel like the to-do list is like that multi-headed monster. You cut off one head and then three more sprout up in his praise. Like I just, it's, how do you get on top of everything that needs to get done? And then the days are slipping by. Daily life today, you know, you feel that way, it's, you feel stressed and overwhelmed. And it may be, you may be feeling overwhelmed with the pace of your life. And if you have any family members that have illnesses or, or severe health problems, all of these feelings just get magnified. You can, next slide here, daily life. Uh, the feelings of, of dealing with health, it, it can, you know, I have some relatives that have some severe health problems, and, and it just takes a bad test result or it takes just an unexpected injury or a bad fall or something like that that just makes it really difficult to move forward. Um, and, and it could be a family member or it could be yourself. Maybe there's something going on in your body that is a, a huge challenge. And any kind of physical problem is just like a lens that magnifies the way that you're feeling. And with severe illness or injuries, what do you need more than anything? If you're facing... Um, even even a life-threatening illness, what do you need more than anything? You need hope. If you don't have hope, what do you have? What else is there to go on? Hope is needed really to handle all of the, all of the pressures in life. Because we're surrounded, we're submerged in hope-draining, joy-sapping things. There's just stuff all around us, from, from within and, and without, stuff inside of us and outside of us that... Uh, it, it, it really drains the joy and the hope that we feel. And part of the reason for this is the physical universe that we all live in is severely broken. All the stuff in it is broken. Uh, and if you're harassed by any of these emotions, it can just drain the joy out of life. We need something solid to hang on to. There's so much changing in your world, in our world, and, and the pace of change is just accelerating We've got to have something stable to stand on. What in life is a guaranteed source of hope and joy? I think you'd probably agree that it's not just enough to hope for the next vacation. <laughs> and if I, just, if I just hold out till we make it to Hawaii, that's all I need to do. It's not enough just to hope for the next paycheck. You know, if we, can, if we just make it in the next few weeks. It's not enough to hope, you know, it's once we get a bigger house, that's going to solve the problems. Or it's definitely not enough just to hope, you know, if I just go to bed, all my problems are going to disappear in the morning, I hope, please. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way. Maybe a good sleep will solve it. There, there's more. We, we need a hope that goes far beyond our present circumstances. And for this, we'll turn to Paul, a man who, wrote, uh, who authored a portion of the Bible and I think he's got one of the best descriptions of unshakable hope. And, and Paul was a man who, who lived many years ago, but he had some pretty good reasons to be discouraged. 
Uh, he lived in an era of political and national instability, much, much more than, than we do currently. Uh, he was, it was actually just a few years after Jesus died that the temple, which was the center of Jewish life and religion and culture, was completely destroyed, and, and countless people were massacred by the Romans. It was a very uh, a period of great upheaval, a lot of uncertainty in those times. Uh, also, Paul, he was a guy, he led his own violent personal crusade against Christians as well, and he, he earned a very nasty reputation, and uh, later he, he converted to Christianity, but I, I would imagine he probably dealt with a lot of regret and shame, thinking about people that he, he imprisoned or beat or, or, or worse, uh, as he, maybe he encountered some of those people or their family members again. It'd be hard to wrestle through that. And when he converted to Christianity, he, that was a point in his life when he realized everything he had been devoted on in his whole life was completely off track. So here's a guy who's probably dealt with some discouragement, <laughs> experienced a lot of stress in life. In one of his letters, in the book, he, he wrote a letter to the Romans, and he writes this in chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God through Jesus. If you look back in, in your life, maybe the past 10, you know, 10 years or, or even before that, and if you ever feel that sense of shame or that regret, or even more recently, you, the way you feel that way because you probably know you've made a mess of things. I've made plenty of messes. <laughs> and when we put our faith in Jesus, uh, we, we do that, and God, at that moment, God views us as righteous, which is incredible. There, there's Peace with God means that I don't need to figure out how to tip the scales in my favor like this coming decade. It means I don't need to do anything to earn God's love. It means I can stop running from those, those feelings of regret. I don't, I don't have to try to just keep ignoring and suppressing those feelings of shame. Which they have a way to keep bubbling back up. Even, even if you've walked with God for a long time, these feelings just keep bubbling back up. And we can forget about that glorious, incredible peace with God that we have where he says you're righteous. There was a time recently I, uh, I spoke some careless words to uh, some neighbors of ours. And I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize it. Uh, it had an impact. It had a neg- negative impact on them and caused some tension. And so I needed to go back, or we needed to go back and deal with that. And, uh, you know, I, it's, I was frustrated at myself. When I realized, you know, what I had said, I thought, you know, I can't, can I not get on top of this? Can I not get to the point where I understand the impact of my words? This happens to me constantly, it feels like. And it's things like that that make me feel somewhat unsteady with God as well. And thing, you know, when I do that or make even bigger messes, really get in, into sin. And, and that is the stuff that Jesus came to die for. He, God, you know, God, Jesus does want us to get cleaned up, back on track with people. But I never lost my right standing with God. My okayness, like if I'm, if I'm okay as a person, like I never lost that. Uh, it's not dependent on what I do or what I don't do. That's because this peace with God that we have through Jesus, it is done. It's final. It's set in concrete. What a wave of relief. That can, that can come over us when we acknowledge that kind of peace that we have with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of us. So Paul continues in this passage. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place 
of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And I love this part. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That is called hope. We have hope because of what's coming. When Paul talks about this undeserved privilege, uh, he said that because God didn't owe us a thing. God didn't uh, you know, owe it back to us. There, there's no amount that we stacked up where we, we you know, incurred his goodness. It's, it's honestly a pretty lopsided arrangement <laughs> that, that God would show us this amount of help and grace and love and incredible things. For those of that follow Jesus, incredible things are coming our way. As we, as we go through life, however life pans out, there's something awesome on the other side of it. Our ultimate hope isn't contingent on, on some good things happening next year. Our hope isn't contingent on making it to less stressful times or more ideal conditions. Our hope isn't on that trip to Hawaii, <laughs> things panning out. Our hope extends much farther out beyond this life, beyond all the difficulty, beyond the mess of the universe that we find ourselves in, Jesus said that he is going to make everything new. He's going to make the earth brand new. He's going to make our bodies new. Praise the Lord. (laughs) He's going to make new. Even our way of seeing life, our perspective on things, is going to be totally made new. Uh, And when I really think about this, and I have this, this confident and joyful looking forward, to, to the future of, of heaven with Jesus and, and spending time with God, I get excited. I, I really think about it. My pulse starts increasing. My anticipation builds. Even last night, I, I had a bad dream. I didn't realize until I, I woke up and I was thinking about some really just, um, there was some bad scenario that I was in. And you know when you first wake up, you're kind of like, you know you're not in the dream anymore, but it still feels pretty real. And I was feeling like the realness and this, like the nastiness of, of the dream that I was in. And then I was, I thought, you know, I am so glad that what I'm hoping for is nothing like, you know, that dream or the life that I'm in even right now. It's, it's so far beyond the goodness of, of God, being with God in eternity is so far beyond what we, we can experience here. It's kind of like Christmas, you know, <laughs> you get excited, you look forward to it, you're just joyful, confident, you know, more as a kid probably. But you know, you know, you're confident because you know Christmas is coming, and so you get excited. The anticipation builds. Or imagine if someone told you that you're getting a raise, next, you know, starting in January, but it's going to be like it's going to be like three times what you make right now, just a crazy, unheard of raise. Think about the anticipation that would build from that. Or imagine if if you found uh, some sort of medical help that was going to fix the pain, all the pain in your body, and they're you know just totally just make you you know good as new. Think about the anticipation waiting for that moment. The anticipation that we have for eternity is kind of like those things, but, but those things are petty. Those are just like negligible in comparison to where, what's, what's really coming. And so it does, really, with that kind of hope that Paul's describing here in, the, in this passage, it doesn't really matter what life throws at us. We can walk through some intense pain and difficulty, but something far greater is waiting. And so when we think about the future, uh, it's no longer anxiety that grips my heart and wraps around me and then I get this sense of panic. When I think about the future then, it's, it's really hope that lifts me up. The, the problem I think for most of us is, is when we think about the future, we tend to get anxious or fearful. Uh, and the problem is not looking in the future. The problem is we're not looking far enough into the future about where, where it really ends up. And Paul, Paul says it this way. He says, we can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials. Interesting. We can have joy right now. And, and so if our peace with God is set in concrete, and as we look forward, we have this unshakable hope, what's to keep us from walking in joy right now? And, and if you look back at this timeline uh, this slide, if you look back, the peace with God that we find through Jesus covers any feeling of regret and shame. And as we look forward, that fear and anxiety is replaced by confident hope. And for right now, today, that stress and, and that feeling of being overwhelmed can be swallowed up by upbeat joy. That's what's available to us right now. Peace, hope, and joy. Those are, those are three things that everybody's dying for. And we, we can have access to them. Regret, stress, anxiety. Those things are temporary. And, and, and for a follower of Christ, they really don't hold that much weight. So why do we let them bubble back up and dominate the way that we feel and, and, just ha- and, and we just get stuck? Why do I keep reverting back to those? Why do I keep sitting in those things? Have you ever been hopeful at one point and then somewhere along the way you lost hope? Why do we lose hope? What, what, if, what if I don't feel very hopeful? Problems just keep rolling in. Problem after problem keep mounting you get discouraged, the joy starts, starts leaking out. Many of the authors of the Bible are very realistic when they talk about trouble because we're told to expect it. Uh, we don't get any promises of, of navigating around difficulty and pain. In fact, many times we walk right into it. And for some people, wave after wave of difficulty and problem and trial can leave, uh, it can leave us feeling cynical, bitter, towards God or bitter towards people. We can lose hope and, and totally give up. And Paul answers this tension. He's in, in, in the next verse, he says, really the difficulties that we face, they lead to endurance. He says, we can rejoice too, not just when we feel hopeful, <laughs> but when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us. Really? <laughs> These problems and trials, they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In this passage, you see a, a sequence. There's this pro- progression, starting with problems. And then endurance. When we endure through the problems, what, what that, what's happening is we decide, I'm going to do the right thing here. Boy, it's hard to do the right thing. And then we do it, the problem persists. We still do the right thing. Another problem comes, but we do the right thing. Again and again and again and again and again until finally the problems, you stop hoping that the problems go away and you just commit to doing the right thing. <laughs> that is called character. That's the strength of character that comes next. Character produces an upbeat response to life that you just can't get anywhere else. With all the times of uncertainty, you know, all the, the, the movies about superheroes and people with powers and you want to cling to something that really works. The movies don't really actually give us any lasting hope or upbeat joy. This, this upbeat response to life only comes this way or, or comes, comes this way. Many of us, I think many of us struggle with being naturally upbeat. I do. I, I told a friend um, a couple of years ago, I told a friend, I was like, you know, I don't like how my first response to things is like, that won't work. <laughs> like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Like, we can't do that. 
Like, why is that in my head? I don't know. I, I, I want to I work on being more upbeat. And he says, yeah, you know, I, I noticed that you smile a lot more now. You used to be really serious. And I thought, I wasn't expecting you to agree with me. I just, <laughs> but apparently, apparently that was coming across. I, I, maybe I thought I was more upbeat than I really was. And uh, I'm trying to smile more now. <laughs> but when discouragement comes, and, and it comes, I know that by God's help, I can move forward. I've seen him do that again. That's the sense of hope. So the problems and the difficulties that we run into, basically that are promised to us, that that that's going to happen. Instead of crushing our hope and joy, they can remind us that we have something far better waiting if we hold on, if we keep fighting, keep moving forward. Do your problems grind you down? Or does your hope deepen? You may be thinking, you know what, this, this sounds great. Let's have some hope. But the problems I've run into are not so easily dismissed. My problems are, are a lot bigger than a little wishful thinking can solve. You know, maybe even this past decade, you have walked through some really difficult times, some, some scathing, painful problems. It's the things that left deep scars. You may be in the middle of it right now. You may be in an intense battle or walking through some discouragement, a valley. Or maybe your concern is not just for yourself, but you're thinking about somebody that you really care about. Uh, it could be a relative or it could be your children. What's going to happen to them? How are things going to end up for them? And you feel this weight of concern. Okay, now here's a scary thought. I don't want, I don't want to paint a negative picture, but what if the worst of the suffering is yet to happen? What if this next decade holds some difficulty that's far beyond what you've even experienced yet? I, 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 may, that, may that not happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But what, what if we just have trial after trial, painful difficulty after painful difficulty? What happens to you? Do you get worn down like, like a crumbling riverbank, just eroding, just dropping into the water? Later, in, 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 later Paul writes in this letter to the Romans, he, he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What he's saying is that as bad as things get right here, right now, and it can get awful, it is nothing compared to how good things will be. That's, that, that gives you a sense of hope. And he's saying if you look at a scale of extremes, let's go to like extreme lows and extreme highs. The extreme lows are, are happening now, the, the intense difficulties, and we're, when we walk through those. But the intense good that's to be experienced of spending life with Jesus in eternity, that, that's, it's on a whole other level. You can't even compare it on the same page. It, it's a totally different place. He's saying, Paul is saying that our deep pain right now is negligible in comparison. Really? If that's true, if that's true, then perhaps those who experience the greatest suffering right now are able to experience the richest sense of hope. That means people who go through fire right now are blessed, maybe even positioned to experience a deeper, more vibrant hope for what's coming. The more fire you walk through, the more you need to hang on to that hope for what's coming. That hope can burn and shine all the brighter in our lives. And Paul continues uh, in, in 
chapter 5, he says, And this hope that we're clinging to, this hope will not lead to disappointment. We can depend on it. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This hope is solid. Has anything else in life worked? Has anything that you've clung to, that you've hoped for, that you anticipated, has anything else worked? I think everything else is going to let you down. Everybody is going to let you down. While we journey through life, the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit to fill us, to resonate in us, to, to encourage us, keep going. And we have the privilege of walking with Jesus. Jesus is our Lord, and, and we put our faith in him. He becomes our friend and close companion. And, and when the trouble of life starts closing in over you, have you, have you ever just spent time with him? You know, just really treasured the company of time with Jesus, the, the maker of the universe, the saver of your soul. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, was a man of deep faith in the 1800s, and he, he writes about this in a real catchy line. He said this, The Lord Jesus is a deep sea of joy. My soul shall dive in and shall be swallowed up in the delights of his company. It, it, it's, I love this imagery. I love this idea of, it gives an idea of, of the relationship we have with God. It's a good thing. Jesus paid the ultimate price to buy us. And he did that because he wanted to. We were worth it to him. God wants us to be with him. And, and so when I'm feeling stressed and I'm feeling overwhelmed and discouraged, it's, it's really just because my eyes are drifting down to my present physical circumstances. My perspective is then skewed. I'm focused on the wrong things. But if, if we look back to the cross and find peace with God and remind ourselves of that, and we look forward to the just confident and joyful things that lay ahead, we could summarize it this way. Confident hope for eternity enables us to walk joyfully today. Confident hope for eternity enables us to walk joyfully today. This is what allows us to say, it is well with my soul. It may not be well with my personal finances at the moment. It may not be well with my physical body. It may not be well with, with all the things going around me, but it is well with my soul. And that's far more important anyway than all those other things. For some people, hanging on to this kind of hope, it, it may come across, if you don't fully buy it yet, it may come across like wishful thinking. Like not dealing with reality. You know, like, well, I'm just going to stick a band-aid on things and I'm going to live in denial because bad stuff's happening all around. It, it, it may make you think of some of those catchy phrases that are out, no bad days, you know, oh, there's only good days. <laughs> or, or a catchy one from the last decade is good vibes only. I only want to feel good stuff. I don't, I'm not going to think bad stuff at all. Good vibes only. That, that to me, feels maybe perhaps a little bit more like a band-aid. But I, I believe the Christian's hope it's very different than wishful thinking, and there's two reasons. One, one reason is that our hope is inseparably tied to the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is a verifiable event in the, in the course of human history. Uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection was the watershed moment for all of human history. It was a turning point, and it was a real physical event. Our hope's based on that. Our hope's not based on, on feelings or, or on conjecture or circumstances. Also, the Christian's hope 
isn't wishful thinking because um, true Christians don't run away from their problems. C.S. Lewis, he, he said about this, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought about the next. Consider the apostles, who were the first Christians. They initiated the conversion of the Roman Empire. Or, or the great men who built up the Middle Ages. Or the British Christians who abolished the slave trade. Paid a big price for that. All these people left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. Christians don't run away from their problems. At least we're, we ought not to. We're not trying to escape suffering in fact, we may walk directly into it on purpose. This, is, this, this concept is actually one of the main reasons that, that we're moving to Santa Clarita to start a new church. Honestly, I, I, I love this church. I love the people here. This is a great, man, this, is, this church has changed our lives. I want to go to a new place. We want to go to a new place and let a whole new pocket of people experience the life change through Jesus that we've experienced here. And we're willing to pay a price for it. In fact, I'm anticipating there will be a great cost. And everyone tells me there will be. But if you really think about just a few decades of life, you know, decades can feel like a long time, but it's really not that long. Life is short. Eternity. Man, ages and ages and ages of eternity. Why not just burn up our lives here now to do something that's going to last forever? That's what I want to do. And I'm willing to pay a price in order to do that. Peace, hope, and joy, these, these are things that people crave and yet struggle to find. What does it take to get them? very first thing that, that's required, we need to find peace with God, with Jesus, for the very first time. And if you haven't crossed the line of faith, and you've, you've not quite done that yet, what that means is you're not able to experience that enduring peace that covers all that stuff from your past. Our sad condition, our, our reality starting out is that we start as enemies of God, which means that we're, our, our relationship to God is one of hostility and judgment. And the Bible calls this wrath, and, and, it, and it's going to get a lot hotter and a lot worse. Our situation with God does not start out peacefully. And, and the reason for that is because you know, our default, we're not submitted to him. We're not submitted to the Bible. We, I want to live life my way. And, and this, God finds this very offensive to a very extreme degree. What's required of us is to repent and say, I'm not going to live life my way because it's not working anyway. I want to do life God's way and ask for his forgiveness for, for that act of rebellion. And, and if we put our faith in Jesus, which means I, I, I'm going to let Jesus call the shots for my life. He's my Lord now, and I'm going to follow him, which means following what he's written or what he's told us in the Bible. When we do that, we move from enemy status to friend of God. And we have peace with the maker of the universe. If, you, if, you, if you've not done this, and if you'd maybe like to do this for the first time, let us know. There's a box on the back of your connection card, and it says, I want more info about committing to Jesus for the first time. Once you've done that, you can move on to the next step, which is confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Sounds simple. Easy to say, hard to do. <laughs> this involves a big shift in perspective. You know, and when I, like I said, when I think about eternity, my heart lifts. I'm full of gratitude and excitement. I can't, I can't wait. It's very easy for my vision just to sink down into the murky problems and just get overwhelmed with go, what's going on today. And then my emotions just sink right down with them. We have so much to praise God for, so much even to sing about. 
One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 95. Here's what it says. It says, Come, let us sing to joy. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him. That means give him praise and honor with music and song. For the Lord is the great God. He's the king, the, the, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. Have you ever watched a documentary on how deep the ocean is? And like how low it goes and how many millions and jillion gallons of water there are and just how unsearchable it all is. In his hand are the depths of the earth. Just imagine all the water in the world just fitting in the palm of his hand. That's the God we serve. That's the great, powerful creator. He's, he's made it all. We're crazy to go against him, honestly. Uh, it's amazing. That, that's what, what confidence we can have by, by putting our hope in him. Uh, I've, I've referenced this passage many times when I've dealt with anxiety, and it just it helps me reorient. You know, who is the one who is in control of this all anyway? <clears throat> there was another man who lived in the 1800s. His name was Horatio Spafford, and he's a guy that had a series of horrible tragedies. Uh, and it's amazing to see his response. Well, I'll show you his life real briefly. He was a wealthy lawyer from Chicago. He had five children. And he was a wealthy businessman. He had a lot of real estate. In 1871, uh, the Chicago fire was a, was a real big fire that wiped out his real estate assets. Life savings were gone, up in smoke. The year before that, uh, his son, he had, he had uh, five kids, four were daughters, but the youngest was his son. His son died of scarlet fever. And so that was, another, that was a huge tragedy for this family as well. So after these things happened, in order to boost spirits for his family, for his wife and his daughters, they wanted to recover, so he sent them over to England. They were going to do, go to attend this rally, and they were in the U.S., wanted to go to England. Uh, as they were planning to leave, some last-minute business arrangements required Horatio to stay back, and so he sent his wife and daughters on. And tragically, in the, in the middle of the trip, the boat was struck in 12 minutes, and 226 passengers passed away. And it, it was the, the worst naval disaster up to this point. Uh, the Titanic had happened a little bit later, but up to this point, this, this was, it was horrendous. His wife makes it to England, and she telegraphs him, saved alone, what shall I do? On the boat, uh, Horatio spent many hours, you know, he finally gets on a boat, he, he makes his way to England, and he thinks about the fact that he's lost his four other kids, his four other children in, in the water. His son had died. They lost their life savings. This trip was supposed to be a help, and it was a disaster. And so at a certain point on the journey across the ocean, the captain called him to the bridge, and he said, A careful reckoning has been made. I believe we are now passing the very place where the ship sank. And when Horatio Spafford was looking out over the bow of the water, into the, into the water, he wrote the words to a, a fairly familiar hymn, It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And here are some of the lyrics. When peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I love this. My sin is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul he said, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
Horatio and his wife Anna experienced unthinkable suffering. Would this be true for them? Would they still experience far better than than the sufferings? I don't know how he could have written these lyrics with any other perspective. He had no choice but but to let the pain drive his hope into even deeper conviction. And I believe he's experiencing that glory now. I believe his hope did not lead to disappointment. Imagine walking across the line into a brand new decade with with a mental fortitude, with with a cheerful heart, with with a lightness of foot, an upbeat joy. Rather than letting life close in over you, the next decade could be the best one yet. Regardless of, of the world around you, what's going on in our crazy culture, regardless of the turmoil that may feel inside of you, the road ahead can be full of joy. You can have incredible impact on the lives of people around you as you radiate this kind of hope. People are dying for this. Because of Jesus, we have the ability to walk through horrible suffering that will eventually lead up to a crescendo of unshakable hope. Because of Jesus, and it's all because of him, this takes a wholehearted, all-in, no-holds-barred trust in God. It requires that we relinquish control of our lives, and I establish Jesus as the ruling king over me. That is the guaranteed source of hope and joy. Paul said this hope will not lead to disappointment. Later in Romans, he, he expresses a prayer for the people he's writing to, and, and I, I pray this right along with him. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. God, you are the source of hope. Everything else we turn to in life will let us down and will disappoint us. But we can find incredible stability in you and in just an environment of great uncivility, instability. God, I, I trust you. Many here have, have firmly rooted their faith in you. Help us to deepen our trust and reliance upon you and not, not keep relying on ourselves and just getting ourselves all mixed up and messed up. I pray that you you would enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to to be focused on eternity, on the right things. And for those that are are sorting and trying to figure out how to make sense of life and this world, I pray that you would draw them, draw their hearts, that this would make sense and and that they would be able to experience these incredible gifts that you offer to us. We're completely undeserving of this. What a privilege you give us. It's it's just mind-boggling. We thank you for it, Lord. We're very grateful. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.